Your financial mission, should you choose to accept it, is to achieve financial clarity. New Intel suggests that bad financial actors are constantly filling the landscape with misinformation and other barriers and obstacles, leaving you with limited time to make the right choices for a successful financial future. To make things easier, we've chosen your team for you. Financial Commander Janine Theus will help lead you to success. As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. Rocking and rolling once again on your financial mission. Walter Storholt here alongside Janine Theus. Janine, what's going on in your world? Hey, we're doing really great. We're beyond, uh, I hated to give up Labor Day weekend, but <laughs> but we're in the fall and I love the fall. <laughs> what do you mean give it up? We, you know, we had to do a trip. <laughs> so oh, oh gotcha. it was a family thing. So we had to travel to Cleveland, which I love the drive anyway, because it's so pretty going into Western Maryland and, and beyond. My husband's niece got married and, you know, who plans a wedding on a Sunday evening? <laughs> <laughs> a Sunday you know, evening is a, a bit Sunday, unique, yeah. Yeah, Sunday but, evening on a holiday weekend. But take, <laughs> see, that's why they did. Though. They probably saved a bunch of money. Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so, yeah. I, so I had a cousin who got married on like a Wednesday evening because it was July 3rd. And oh. July, or no, that maybe they got married on a Thursday on July 3rd because July 4th was Friday. And so they got like a stupid cheap price for all of the catering, all of the events, everything, because it was a July 3rd wedding. But they were like, most of our guests are going to be coming from out of town anyway. They can come, you know, that morning and get there. And then that night we have the wedding, but then they can make a weekend out of it or they've got the weekend to travel back. You know, they just kind of viewed that as a good, good opportunity. So, yeah, that's kind of a, a cool idea. But July 4th, the whole July 4th is one of the most expensive weekends weekends to travel on <laughs> oh yeah yeah definitely, definitely. <laughs> so. i think we drove for that one so yeah but i mean it's yeah. all good it's all good yeah well good glad so. you had a good trip on today's show it's part two of our conversation about busting financial myths we've also got a good question from alex later on in the show that we'll get to alex is wondering about growth in a 401k but wondering if maybe we should kind of like, you know, cash out at the top of the mountain. Is now the time to do that? Alex is wondering about those kinds of things. So we'll dive into that question a little bit later on. But first, it's time to see what's happening in the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. All right, Janine, I don't know if I'm going to push some of your buttons here, but uh, in the news recently, and, and this has been going on for a few months, I suppose, you know, Bernie Sanders has uh, come out as we're kind of in the midst of all the uh, Democratic you know, race for who's going to be the nominee for president next year. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders, one of those, has talked about wanting to forgive $1.6 trillion of student loan debt so that nobody has any student loans at all. I think Elizabeth Warren came out with a plan of her own that focused a bit more on lower and middle income families getting loan forgiveness. It's about a third of the price tag of Sanders' plan. Do you like these ideas? Are they good? Are they bad? I know where you're going to lean on this. Are there any good elements to these plans, or do you just view them all bad? All bad. Bad, 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 bad. bad. No. (laughs) And there's a great quote. Tell me how you really feel. Yeah, there's nothing so expensive as something that's free. Who's going to pay for this? It's going to be taxpayers. And some of our kids have already paid off their student loans, so they don't get any help from this. So there's going to be tremendous resentment. It's a divider. Plus, I do think the adults today, young adults, need to have skin in the game. You took the loan, be responsible, and pay it back. Now, 
since the government took over the entire loan system back, I forget now which year, but uh, I want to say 2012 or 13. How about we just negotiate a low interest rate such as 2%, which is the, you know, or the federal funds rate, which is right about 2% and uh, leave it at that. And you I like can, that. I yeah. like a lower interest rate navigate. I think that would, you know, be a good use of conversation and political wins. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's a reasonable thing. Make it 2% and then make it like a mortgage loan that you can pay, take 30 years to pay back. Oh, um, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think obviously making it. I mean, I don't like the idea of taking that long to pay off debt other other than, you know. A house. Oh, I agree. I agree. But, you know, here's what's happening. But I mean, that's more got, reasonable. Yeah. You've got kids going, kids, you know, young adults going to law school, coming away with one hundred and seventy five dollars to $200,000 of debt. And their new attorneys typically going into law firms make 50000 So you may as well go to the trades. <laughs> go become yeah. a welder and make eighty to one hundred right off the bat. Right. No loans. But yeah, so that's a real problem. I, I don't like any idea that says everyone else is going to pay for what you put in motion. Right. It's just, it's sending the wrong message. And I mean, basically that's socialist. And we know what happens over time with socialism. You well, know, the- I could foresee, you know, the other problem here is school is just darn expensive. And I could see the free market at some point correcting a little bit to say, look, people are going to start saying no to four-year colleges and they're going to go to trade schools and and that's actually industries. starting to happen that's yeah happening. yeah and, and, and they're and going to save money that way and then the market will recorrect the mm-hmm. problem is you get these in-between points where that transition's happening that gets really messy and yeah and there have difficult. been a lot of really good articles on there's a couple of sites intellectual takeout is one that talks about this at length and several good articles on, you know, is a four-year, well, and obviously it depends on your degree, a science degree, an engineering degree, computer science degree are all beneficial in the long run. But, you know, there's there are a lot of other degrees that are pretty worthless. And so people are taking a second look or a third look at, is this worth it? And let me go do something that's real rather than rather esoteric. I mean, mm. to you know, I know people who've paid, you know, $65,000 a year so their daughter can go to be a teacher. That's a lot yeah, of money just, to be a teacher. <laughs> yeah, at some point, those kinds of things just don't become very wise to do. And so right. you find other other routes to get there. But, right. uh, but, but I, you know, I, like, I like your plan. I like that idea of stretching it out longer, just get, making these loans more reasonable. They've gotten unreasonable in their interest rates almost to where they're like credit cards. And that shouldn't oh, yeah. be the design for you know, student loans. Yeah, and to, and to your point about the cost of tuition and education, get the government out of the colleges. Stop subsidizing colleges because that's one of the reasons. And the fact that the government took over the loan so anybody can have a loan. And when anybody can have a loan, you're just driving up the cost of tuition because guess what? The colleges are saying, whoopee, (laughs) everybody can get a loan now and come to college. And I think there's a pretty high statistic of kids who don't make it past the first year. And so now they've got, you know, whatever the debt is. You know, in Maryland, it's $25,000. That's tuition and room board. And now you've got somebody who doesn't finish with a degree and has, Mm -hmm. you know, the loan balance that's that high. Right. It used to be that kids were graduating with college from college with about twenty five thousand dollars. And now it's closer to 40. So on average. So that's a problem. No, the rest of taxpayers and you don't want people who never went to college paying for knuckleheads to go to college, have debt, (laughs) didn't manage the debt and expect somebody to bail them out. Yeah, that is a a tough cycle. Yeah. 
fix the problem going forward, but trying to just, you know, it just seems like you're just going to be driving a wrecking ball through the system that's not going to actually help that much in the long run. Yeah, I mean, um, if, and so I really think if you want, since the government's running this debt system, the student loan system, drop the debt interest rate to 2 or 3% max, give them 30-year loans, and they can pay it off at any time because, you know, when you're first getting out into the workforce, you're not making that much money. But as you yeah. go along, you're making more, then you can pay down the debt, just like a mortgage. Yep. I think that makes a lot of sense as you're you're not hamstringed by your early working years. Right. And then as you get more and more spending power, if you want to save on the interest that you're paying, you can pay it off faster, just like a mortgage. And, uh, and and get it done with that way. So, you know, even if it's not 30 years, you know, even a 15-year student loan would just be at a lower interest rate, better to pay off and easier and uh, seems like a good solution. So Janine for Prez. There we go. We're starting, <laughs> starting, starting the movement. There Janine we go. 20, Janine 2020. <laughs> run on the, uh, the alternative student loan debt platform. There we go. I love it. There you go. That's what's happening in the news. Uh, interesting to look at some of those ideas being proposed. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about those things over the next several months as they uh, enter further and further into the debate season. Yep. Uh, going to be interesting to watch. All right. Time to dive into part two of our series of busting financial myths. We covered a couple of myths on the last program. If you did not hear the last episode, this is one of those cases where you actually don't have to go and listen to the first part one to get what's going on in part two. So if you want to just finish out this episode, then go back and listen to part one. Totally fine. You're allowed to do that. We did cover these myths on the last show. Shifting from stocks to bonds removes volatility in your portfolio. We explained why that's a myth. Once you're retired, life insurance is no longer necessary. Big myth there. Also, this idea that you're going to need less income automatically when you retire than while you are working. We find that that is not the case, in fact, many times. Here's another myth for today's show, Janine. You'll probably be in a lower tax bracket once you retire. Well, and again, it depends on what the tax brackets are when you retire. The current tax law is set to sunset in 2025. I know the administration is attempting to make some of those changes permanent, which is very advantageous to middle income America. But you need to take a look at current income versus what you think the income is going to be in retirement. And what is the tax bracket going to be? Because you may be paying as much if not more. So lots of people have done exactly what they were told to do, and they've stuck a lot of money into IRAs and 401ks, 403bs, which means when you start doing withdrawal strategies, you know, if you're waiting all the way to 70 and a half, you're going to have required minimum distributions. You have to take a pretty good sized chunk of money. You know, you can factor in what your income is going to be and project what taxes may be because we now know for the last however many years what those brackets were. So depending on what Congress passes for the new tax law, you can be in a lower bracket or a slightly lower bracket or the same bracket because it really is going to depend on what your income is going to be. So you really have to sit down and go through that. Everybody assumes that they're gonna be in a lower tax bracket. The assumption there is you're gonna be at much less income in retirement. And if that's the case, you really need to sit down and work on an income plan. Yeah, that's a great point. And the tax situation is something that gets so overlooked in retirement planning. People focus so much on returns. We had that question last episode. Focus on the returns. They focus on, and income is important to focus on as well as expenses, but the whole tax thing just gets really overlooked as an area of opportunity. So it's a big question to think about is what bracket you are going to be in, how that impacts 
the financial plan, what you can do to lessen your tax burden, should all be things and conversations you're having with an advisor. One more uh, myth for you here, Janine. Financial planning today is much easier to do without a professional because, hey, we've got all this technological help that's available. We've got, we talked about robots on the last show. We have robo-advisors even. (laughs) Well, typically robo-advisors only consider one portfolio. So what else is going on in your life that impacts that portfolio? They don't look at that. Robo-advisors typically don't do that. So yes, we have fantastic technology. We've got Betterment. We've got Wealth, whatever it's called, Wealthfront. All these different aggregators and calculators out the ears and plethora of articles and information, but how much of it applies to you? I had somebody in the other day says, I, I read all the time. I read all the time. And I said, and okay, <laughs> did you develop a plan from that reading? <laughs> did you, what question. did you, you know, what did you get from the reading? What applies to you and what you want to do? And they couldn't really give me an answer. So yes, there's great technology, there's great information, but if you don't have someone that can put it into context, specifically your world and what you want to do for the next 30 years of your life, then the technology is not all that helpful because it doesn't take into account money decisions, behavior, which is most people's downfall is just behavior. Behavioral economics is a huge new uh, course of study. And it's what people do when the markets fail. It's, it's or, or not fail, but you know, go up and down and sideways. What do people succumb to in their behaviors that cause them to essentially shoot themselves in the foot? Any number of financial decisions that people make because the rules, regulations, and tax laws change. If you don't know that, you're going to be affected by that, or you're going to affect your heirs. For instance, I'll give you a perfect example. The stretch IRA, which everybody says, what the heck is that? So I have an IRA. If I die, my husband gets it. And then if he dies, when he passes, the kids are going to split it. So that's called the stretch IRA. So they're going to inherit an IRA. And then they can do required minimum distributions on their own lives. Well, if they kill that plan, which they're considering, You're going to have to take money out of the stretch much, much sooner, which causes way more taxes to be paid by your heirs. So that's around the corner. Congress is considering it. You have to stay tuned. But most people, unless they're reading this stuff, are not going to know that. It's another great thing to highlight, I think, as we have this discussion on some of these big financial myths. Those are the five that I kind of wrote down, the three from last episode and the two so far this episode. Janine, do you have another one you want to throw out there? Any any other myths that you see people kind of believing in a lot when they come in the office that you kind of have to bust for folks? Oh, yeah. This is a big one. It's not going to happen to me. Long-term care. Long-term care. care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, the kids are going to take care of me in my old age. Well, I always say, uh, well, how obnoxious are you going to (laughs) get? Because (laughs) my mom said to me the other day we were chatting and she was like, I'm trying to be nice to you so that you'll be nice to me when I, you know, need someone to feed me when I'm older. So it's exactly like an ins- right. it's a little joke now where she's like, you know, remember th- if she, you know, she does something nice and I'll be like, oh, this is so nice, mom. I can't believe you did this. She's like, remember this. <laughs> just, just like she go, remember this moment. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's funny. Just a little earlier today, I was talking with a really good friend who's a psychologist and we were talking about some of this that, you know, America has started to outsource care of the elderly. And it, part of it is because I live in a different state, you know, or my brothers are not helping or my sisters aren't helping or there's no coordination into the care of mom and dad. In fact, I have one example. Uh, my neighbor went to a cousin's house to look after the father 
of the cousin. He's 105. None wow. of his none of his children who were not that far away wanted to come and take care of him while the couple that is taking care of him who didn't expect him to live this long they had planned a vacation <laughs> for a week they couldn't wow. get anybody to take care of the guy oh just for a week just for a week Sheesh. and then so this is what's so interesting when the siblings over you know in these other little towns found out that my neighbor was going to be paid for taking care of the elderly gentleman. They were like, well, if you'd have told us I was going to get paid. I'm like, wait a minute, he's your dad. (laughs) So long-term care is a conversation first and foremost. It's not an insurance product. It's a conversation. What do you want to have happen? What can happen? Who will step in and be your trusted advisor, your trusted advocate, the advocate for you in medical? And Because you don't know when this is going to happen. I swim with a guy who's going to be 66. His wife is 63. She has Alzheimer's. She was a doctor. She was just diagnosed a few months back. Mm, That's terrible. That's really young because Alzheimer's patients can live 10 years or more. That changes your entire, entire retirement plan. Yeah. It's a big, big impact. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. you brought that up. That is another big myth. It's not going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. A lot of us certainly think that. And the bad thing is it's going to because these sicknesses, we don't have cures for them and fixes for a lot of these things yet. But yet we are living longer physically. Yep. And that merge of the mental, you know, the timeline for mental problems and issues and I'm sorry if that's not like a PC term. I don't mean it offensively in any way. I don't know a better thing to call it, but just the mental side of it. Right. That timeline's not really getting pushed back anymore, but we are living longer. So the physical side is lasting a while. So. And there's no cookie cutter solution because you right. can have a 90-year-old that's sharp as a tack. Yep. And you can have an 80-year-old who's got dementia and is um, beginning the spiral physically. There's no real way to predict any of that. Yes, you might have longevity in your family, but you know what have you done to make sure you're going to be healthy in your later years? And then as you talked about those family dynamics, obviously very different for yes. everybody. Yeah, so. and family dynamics is a huge factor. Glad you brought that one up, Janine. And if you've got questions about anything we've talked about on today's show, if one of the myths that we've busted this week or on the previous show uh, strike a chord with you that you want to have a conversation with Janine about your financial plan and your financial life, do reach out. 443-718-6311 is the number to call. 443-718-6311. Janine's the CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors, your financial commander here on the show. You can go to theuswealthadvisors.com for more great information to listen to past episodes of the program and to get in touch that way as well. Theuswealthadvisors.com. Great conversation over these last two weeks, busting some of those big financial myths. Now it's time to get to know Janine a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. All right, Janine, fun question for you this week. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with all that spare time? What hobby or thing would you pick up to do if you didn't have to sleep anymore? Well, we have a family joke, and I don't know if you remember the series, the cartoon uh, Pinky and the Brain. I never really watched it, but I'm certainly familiar with with what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so I'm going to take over the world. <laughs> yeah, take over the world, right? <laughs> take over yeah. the world, um, some aspect of the world, anyway. If I didn't have to sleep, boy, I'd get a heck of a lot of stuff done. <laughs> I, I would love. I want to go back to art, painting, and I'd practice my piano more. <laughs> I would just get more things done. Um, but I think a lot of us find that after a full day of work and meetings and doing whatever you're really doing, you know, then you eat and you hit about seven o'clock and you're a vegetable. 
because yeah. you're tired. <laughs> Here's the key to this question. Am I the only one that can go without sleeping? Because that changes it. If I'm the only one that truly, like the rest of the world's asleep, then yeah, I feel like world domination. You know, I'm yeah. going to get so much more done. But if everybody else also doesn't have to sleep, I kind of feel like we would just work longer. We would just do more of the exact same things we do now, right? We'd watch more TV. We'd just watch more of everything, TV and do more of the stuff we do now. Oh, I Maybe think not. that's true. Yeah, when you look Maybe at not, humans in general, the habits that we form, I don't think unless you had some epiphany that you had to go and start building a new skill, you know, <laughs> or working a new hobby, a lot of people won't do that. So yeah, they would just continue to do what they're doing. More of, yeah. more of. <laughs> More, more, just more of the same stuff. More yeah. video games. More this. More that. You know, depending on how old you are, probably yeah. dictates that that uh, you know that hobby. But interesting question, thing to think about for sure. All right, time to answer one of your questions to wrap up this week's show. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. And this last question comes to us from Alex. And here's Alex's question for you, Janine. Alex says, "I've seen a lot of growth in my 401k recently, which has been nice." but I feel that I should capture these gains and take the risk off the table. On the other hand, what if the market keeps going up another year or two and I miss out on that growth? Well, Alex, that is the perennial question because you're attempting to time the market, whether you should put a portion to cash or put more to bonds, etc. And then when would you get back in? Yes, if you move the portfolio around, you're going to miss the move in the market. And here's the interesting thing about that. I have a slide in one of my presentations and it's it covers the last 5,000 days of trading. If you missed the 10 best days of trading, which who knows when they are ahead of time, you would cut your return in half. So that's pretty significant. Just, just 10 days. Yeah. Just 10 days in 5,000 days of trading. That's how fast the market moves. So there is no way to do what you are considering doing. Yes, your 401k is up. It's because the market's been up. So we have to look at how you are actually invested. And then we would look at if you're too, you have too much in equities. So now you want to take some of the risk away. Then we have to reallocate a portfolio or allocate a portfolio that is appropriate for your level of risk tolerance, which is really loss tolerance, which just to remind folks, everybody thinks that the last thing that happened is the thing that's going to be there forever. It's called recency bias. I just wrote an email on it. Yeah. Um, you know, because I had two different guys come in and, you know, the last couple of weeks, one guy's, the market's too high. Oh my gosh, I think it's too high. And I said, based on what? Which you couldn't tell me. And then I had another guy come in and say, oh, the market's fallen. It's too low. I, I, don't, I don't, we shouldn't do anything. I said, based on what? Because if you just wait five minutes, it's going to go up. <laughs> Yeah, and it has. And it has, and up, up exactly. And down, and volatile, as we all know, it should. It, it happens that way. That's right, because the market goes up, and then it goes down, and then it goes up again. And so if you're really worried about that, and you're worried about the downside risk, then we really need to look at how you're allocated to prevent some of that. But panicking and moving, like you said, take the gains and take risk off the table. Well, what are you talking about doing? That's really the question. Also a big deal with your question here, Alex, if you're 35, quit worrying. Right. If you're 65 and you're retiring next week, different conversation. Different and, conversation, uh, exactly some, right. Some more analysis needs yep. to be done here. So great questions on today's show for sure. Again, if you want to get in touch with Janine, you can do so by calling 443-718-6311, 443-718-6311, and always online at theuswealthadvisors.com. Janine, thanks for a great show. We'll uh, talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Walter. It was a, a lot of fun. 
Be sure to come back and join us on the next episode. For Janine, I'm Walter. We'll talk to you soon on Your Financial Mission.